0: So, well, good evening, yeah. everybody.
1: Matt and Marca, doctors Matt yeah. and Marca are going to be sharing next week, Wednesday night. Oh, wow. On that talk.
0: Wow. That's for married people. <laughs>
1: very, very much for married people.
0: That's very good.
1: <laughs> so don't miss it, but don't bring your kids. I mean, okay. bring them, but leave them in the back. There, that's good. Okay.
0: Okay, so I, I heard that there were these three dogs, male dogs, walking down the street, and they all spotted this dashing, beautiful poodle at the same time and, and went racing to her. And she, she stops them and says, I will agree to go on a date with the, which, the one that uses these two words in the most creatively in a sentence, liver and cheese. And the one dog says, um, and he's just a big husky. You know, he was just real big and strong. And he goes, well, I hate liver and cheese. (laughs) And she goes, okay, next. And... um, he was just this smooth, smooth, um, kind of a Rottweiler, just... Anyway, he, he says, um, well, I love liver and cheese. And she says, oh, this is hopeless. And then there was this little kind of chihuahua, this little um, small dog that looked at the others, and then it looked at the poodle and said liver alone, she's mine. <laughs> and he got the date. <laughs>
1: anyway, I like that. Good he, job, he, he liked it. Okay. it. okay. All right. So we're going to take a few moments and talk about marriage. So we're, we wanted to start in Proverbs chapter 31. Now, some mm-hmm. people consider Proverbs 31 to be the chapter about the virtuous woman. But there is so much in this chapter that has to do with marriage. So really it kind of does the switch at verse 10 where it begins to talk about the virtuous woman and marriage. And it says, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? Uh, one of the things that so often happens in a marriage situation is we take our spouse for granted. And when it begins to talk about marriage in Proverbs 31, the first thing that it talks about is valuing your spouse. Um, So often a spouse is like a car. You get it, it's new, you clean it, you wax it, you park it far away from everybody. And ten years later, you know, there's McDonald's wrappers on the, on the floor and all kinds of stuff, and you haven't, you haven't cleaned it, you haven't appreciated it, right? But really, um, your spouse should be more like a fine wine. That was the best example. Like, I don't drink, so I guess, but that's what they say, that wine gets better.
0: Right? I don't know, but I... The, the idea is you, what you value, you take care of, you invest in, you pay attention to. You are thankful for it. You appreciate it. Um, and I think this is really interesting because this says, um, it says here, the, that a wife of, who can find, and then in verse 11 it says, Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. And I just saw that as, you know, she's not getting valued just because he heard from God that he's supposed to value her. But she is choosing to be valuable. She's making choices to um, do him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And that really is a big, huge statement because it's saying... um, when I feel like it, when I don't, when, when um, things are easy, when it's hard, when he's nice, when he's not. I mean, all the days of her life. How long is that? How many days is that? And, and, um, and it says, it talks about she there, but if you look at um, Ephesians 5 where it talks about the husbands and it tells the husbands, what happened to my Ephesians? There it is. Okay. So it tells the husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or winkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I just think this is so beautiful because it's talking about that wives love her and make her through the word and to present her to himself. You make her something that's going to be wonderful to present back to yourself. Do you get it? So she invests in him and does him good all the days of her life. That's valuing him and, and appreciating him and uh, doing the best she can to make him become the 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 man that he God has intended him to be, and then he does the same on her part on his part. He treats her, loves her like Christ loved the church, invests, that's putting value and invests in her, and then he gets to reap, she gets to reap the what the good and being valued because she treated him in a way that she valued him, and he gets to reap. Am I making sense? You know, he he reaps of what that, yeah, I'm tongue-tying my own self all by myself. But I know what I mean, and I hope you got it.
1: Okay. (laughs) Back to Proverbs 31:11. The heart of her husband is safely trust in her. Uh, This this will come as a shock to some people, but the foundation for marriage is trust. Uh, Somebody says, No, I just love him. Well, that's great. That's great. But if you can't trust them, your marriage will not last. If some, uh, I've literally had a couple, and she says, I still do love him, but he's addicted to cocaine. She says, and I can't trust him, because every time he gets a paycheck, he disappears for a day and a half. And he's, he's getting high, he's gone. She says, I, I do love him, but I can't trust him. So we tend to think that it's, it's just the emotion of love. Uh, I remember a number of years ago being in India in uh, New Delhi with Abraham, Brother Abraham. Uh, Merle, you could help me. I think he's started 5,000 churches now. And uh, we were talking and he, he was mentioning that he was uh, looking for a spouse for his daughter. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, we arrange this. And I said, well, how does it work? <laughs> and he said, well, first, we parents get together and we see if the families are compatible. Right? And then we talk about our kids getting married and then the kids get to meet. Okay? And I said, can they veto it? And he says, yeah, they can. He said, uh, at least once. But he says, they can't just keep vetoing. Now, here was the interesting thing. They had less than a 3% divorce rate, right? Because the marriage was not built on feelings, right? It was built on a commitment, and it was built on trust, right? So we tend to think it's all about feelings. In fact, when you look at what the Bible talks about love, it's not a feeling. It's a decision. Agape love is a decision it's not a feeling. Now, I think the great thing is, when you make the right decisions, the feelings do come. Right? But you can't build a marriage on feelings. Right? You have to build it first of all on trust, on agape love, on value. Um, we talked about this uh, <laughs> actually while well, we were sitting right down there about whether can I we were going to. Um, oh, you want to do something first? About trust please do.
0: Okay. Uh, So, uh, on trust, I looked up in the Webster's Dictionary, it says, is assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something? And that's a pretty basic, basic thing that um, says, you earn it, I'll give it kind of a thing of the other's perfection. Well, in a marriage, Trust is not based on perfection. It's not based on, I trust him because he's never let me down. He's never made a mistake. He, he's never done anything that I ever needed to even forgive him for because he's perfect. Be- <laughs> then, then you'd say, yeah, I can have trust. It's real easy to trust and confidence. But our trust and the relationship… Trust has to do with relationship. And, and revelation, it's a knowing or a, a discerning of, of commitment. It's commitment and direction. And that's why with a, um, with our, in our relationship, because we have Christ in our relationship, and, and we have a foundation, and that's one thing that trust has to have, is a foundation. Um, and ours is in something bigger than our own selves. More perfect than our own selves, more um, so. Part of what um, the trust, that as a foundation in your relationship, um, it creates safety. It creates an openness and ability to communicate more. Um, I know when we first got married, I loved him and I wanted him for the rest of my life, but. Um, we're, there wasn't a whole lot of openness between us. Oh, there wasn't a lot of understanding and communication. And um, uh, so I think our trust, it, takes a, it took a while to build, to develop, to grow, and recognize um, that we're going in the same direction. And in Christ, I know, you know what? Even if he makes mistakes, he wants to please God. He loves and fears God, so I just have to pray, and and when he's reading the Word, God will just correct him, and you know that that knowing, that confidence that he is growing in Christ, and I am growing, and I think trust—so I wanted to make the point that trust isn't just all about having a perfect person who never makes a mistake, and trust is— being Reliability does have to do with trust, but i got to tell you, I have certain areas where I'm not very reliable. <laughs> I haven't been on time when I needed to be all the time, but I'm working on it. And for 46 years, I've been working on it. I'm still working on it, and I'm not going to quit, but see, he knows. <laughs> So he loves me, and yes, he forgives me, and and there's times when um, he just exercises, grows in his patience. But but it's something he knows that I'm working. You know, there's that end goal. We have the same. We want to be more Christ-like, and so even though we're not perfect today, and you know, and he has to deal with.
1: We're working on it.
0: Yeah, we're working on it.
1: What was your, 65?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I was trying to do these big confessions. I think I was 50 and real swifty. And then 50. Uh, then I was 51, lots of fun. And then I was 52 and and...
1: I remember 65 and never... Was it 66 uh, it was and 60s. 66 and never late? Or, you had these rhymes. Uh, it was, it was that a was riot. 58
0: and never late. Uh-huh. 59 and on time.
1: Oh, yeah, that was it.
0: And 60 and real swifty. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was trying really hard. <laughs> and then when it got to 61, I just I, I just fun. I just have fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just keep working at. It. So so. um Trust is a choice and not just a feeling. And sometimes people think, I trust you because I feel you make me feel right. And because of my feelings, I trust you. I trust him. He made a commitment. He made a vow to me. He married me. He's mine, I'm his. You know, there's that there that is part of the foundation of your relationship is this we're stuck with each other and we know it. And so whatever bumps in the road or mistakes we make, we get back up and it's like, you know what? I know he's for me. And, you know, it took me some years of, of um, him continually saying, he kept speaking words of, I love you, I love you, and building it up in me. And, um, you know, so I could believe, yes, he loves me. He does. He really loves me. Even when he does not help me do the dishes, he loves me. He still loves me. (laughs) You know, because sometimes there are certain things that a person wraps around their love receptors, and it's like, I know he loves me when he takes out the garbage or Um, you know, when he brings me flowers, or when he says it right, or, I mean, there's certain things that to you, and I know there's the the book out with the five love languages, so there's certain things that you kind of have this preconceived way of, this is how he's going to communicate love to me, and I assume you guys kind of do that too. This is the way she's going to communicate love to me. So then when the other person doesn't do that exactly, then you can start distrusting their love for you and, and, st- and start not believing. Well, he said he loved me, but really, he didn't wash the dishes. He didn't help me. That was a big one. Can you tell? That was a big one. He washes dishes now. I just want you all to know because I found a verse in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it says that God's going to do something as a man washes the dishes and wipes it, turns it over and wipes it. I said, there it is. It says, as the man washes dishes. So I gave him that verse, and I don't know what inspired him. to. Maybe that wasn't it. But Okay.
1: We're going to go over here.
0: Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that's
1: all right. All right. Now, Jimmy, Jimmy uh, Evans is considered the the premier marriage expert in America. He made this statement. He says the Bible does not talk a lot about marriage. The Bible assumes if you're a good Christian, that you will be a good spouse. If you do the Christian thing. But Jesus did on one occasion, one occasion only, address the subject of marriage. So we wanted to take a look at it, because Jesus literally goes to the heart of marriage problems. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 19. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female, and said... So God said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father his mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and put her away? And here's Jesus' response. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So when, when Jesus looked at the difficulties in marriage, Jesus identified the cause as the hardness of your hearts. The hardness of your hearts. Now, a hard heart, if you look over in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about having a tender heart, forgiving one another. Right? A tender heart forgives. A hard heart does not forgive. Right? Now, in marriage, it is impossible to live with somebody 24-7, 365, and not have them say or do something stupid. Yeah. Or they don't say or do it, but they don't say... And they don't do what they should do, like wash the dishes. Right? They don't do it or they do it. But it's impossible. And if you will not forgive, what happens, it's like you put a pair of sunglasses on. And when you do that, you know, everything is tinted. And all of a sudden, when you don't forgive in your marriage, everything becomes tinted. Right? It affects the way that you feel. It affects the way you see. It affects what you think that they think. And it affects your attitude. It affects everything. But if you can keep on forgiving that person, you can love that person for 100 years. If you will keep on forgiving. But if you don't, there's only two possibilities. One is you stay together with a bad marriage. Or you end up at a divorce court downtown somewhere. But if you'll keep on forgiving, you can have a great... Jesus said the reason reason for marriage problems and the reason for divorce is hardness of heart. We don't forgive. Um, Sometimes we think we do. I just
0: want to say, he said, you know, there's two things. And one is you could end up in a divorce court But even if you end up in a divorce, you still have to forgive if you're going to go on with your life. If you're going to... The lack of forgiveness means that... It's like keeping poop in your pocket and thinking you cannot stink the rest of your life. (laughs) You're going to smell like manure or worse... But because without you forgiving and, and, and getting washed clean, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stink up your other relationships.
1: Well, you keep the glasses on, those tinted glasses, and that's the reason why second marriages have a higher divorce rate than first marriages, and third marriages have a higher divorce rate than second marriages, and fourth marriages have higher divorce rates than third marriages is because you've still got the stinking glasses on.
0: And I would say they're not even just sunglasses. They're dark glasses. They're ones that obstruct your ability to see clearly. You can't see why you fell in love with that person. You can't see. Um, you, uh, receive whatever they're doing or saying that is good because of what you're upset at. Yeah, if unforgiveness is, um, I know, he's kind of waiting for me to tell my story, that he likes my, my confession. Uh, th- which, no,
1: normally, I have to confess my sins. It's about time.
0: I confess my you sins. Know, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, being a Christian the whole days of all our married life, I knew that we forgive. I knew all about forgiveness, that we're supposed to forgive, and I thought I was forgiving. But, um, you know, women, we like to hear apologies and I'm sorries and confessions and that kind of thing, you know. It makes forgiveness easier. And, And so, I just thought kind of subconsciously or maybe a little bit consciously was keeping track of the things that I thought he should, he did wrong, the things that had, you know, he didn't help me bring the groceries in because he was, um, you know, just something that, it, it's all little, but you know how many times little things, and so it's little things that, that um, disappointed me that he didn't, he didn't say, he didn't notice and appreciate this, or he didn't help me do that, or he said, whatever, just, just stuff, just daily stuff. And I just kind of kept putting it back, kind of stacking it up back here, like, like as Toi- if I had toilet, this seat back. The toilet seat. Oh, the toilet seat. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that, if he loved me, <laughs> if he really loved me, he would put the toilet seat back down. <laughs> I actually have a, a woman, wife, raise their hand. How many have fallen in in the night? In the <laughs> okay, that's not nice, is it? We don't like that. Anyway, so, I mean, if they, there was all those, just those little things that now we can laugh about certain things, but they can get irritating. And Anyway, so I would just stack up, and I would just kind of push it in the back, but I really wanted him to like, apologize for it, then I could really forgive him, because, anyway, so my, the slate was not clean, but I thought I was forgiving him, but um, one day, when I really had a big day, like lots of moms do with all the kids, and, and I'm trying, I got everybody to bed, Dwayne's at a meeting, and I'm tr- racing, trying to get the dishes done, because I wanted to be in bed when he got home, and he comes home, and I'm still at the kitchen sink, he comes in, he puts his arms around me, tells me he loves me, and says, it's too bad you're not ready for bed. <laughs> and he goes in the bedroom. And I just decided. I just made one of those decisions. Sometimes you think you, you get mad or you don't forget just because it just happens. Well, I decided. <laughs> I thought, you know what? That he could have been nicer. And, and I just thought, I think there's some women that would get mad. I bet I could get mad too. <laughs> and so I decided I'd, that that wasn't nice and I'd be mad. Well, when you're mad, then you start making noise. I, you're not nice when you're mad. And so I'm banging dishes. I'm not just doing dishes. Now I'm banging them and stuff. And, and while I'm doing this, I'm also thinking, all of a sudden, all these little things that had stacked up that I'd piled back up here, they just came tumbling down. It was just like this, and oh, my goodness. And I remember when he did this, and he didn't apologize, and that, and this, and that, and the dishes, and everything's flying around. And, and, and I'm just, I'm not being nice. He has to get up early in the morning. And um, I go in the bedroom, and, and the bathroom is connected off the bedroom there. So I go in there, and I turn on the water, and I brush my teeth, and flush the toilet, banging the lid down. I mean, I'm just, I just discovered, you know, when you're, when you're mad, you are mean. There's just this stuff that comes out of you. And so it was coming out of me, and, and I, I go and instead of sliding into bed gently so he doesn't wake, I jump in bed and get down there. And I turn around, ready to have him say, I got to get up in the morning. You know, I was ready. And I had my dukes up, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he's laying there just peaceful with his hands across his chest, just, mm, just <laughs> asleep. He is asleep. And he looks happy even. <laughs> and... There's another thing I discovered about when you're mad, that it's not worth being mad alone. I mean, why be mad if if you can't fight? And how can you fight with someone who's not paying attention and reacting to you? And, you know, and I was just... Of course, then that made me more mad, and then I had another reason to get mad at him because now I couldn't go to sleep, and of course, then it was all his fault because now I was so upset, I couldn't get to sleep, and I had to get up early, too, and it's all his fault, and I mean, I just wanted to shove him out of bed, let him hit the wall, something, and... and and I'm just laying there fuming, and finally it's like, oh, God, because I think I'm so righteously mad <laughs> if there is such a thing. I thought there was. And I'm, it's, you know, he just, fix this man. And, and then I just somehow God calmed me down, and I heard him just say, um, forgive him like I forgave you." That's scriptural somewhere. <laughs> and, and, um, and the way He forgave me, and I started thinking about how God forgave me before I even ask, and freely and abundantly, and, and, and He not only forgives me, but He washes it away and doesn't bring it back up, and He doesn't have this big gunny sack full of all my sins to clobber me, and like I was wanting to clobber Him with past sins and things shortcomings and and I just like oh god I got to I repent what can I say I that's wrong I I repent I repent I'm so and so I just had a time there of asking god to forgive me and and I had to make that decision lord if he never knows anything about anything I wasn't planning to use that as an illustration in a sermon. So, if he never knew that he'd ever hurt my feelings or did anything wrong, if he never apologized for anything in the past, God, it's okay. I'm going to wash him. He's just perfect. I just wash him clean. I'll let your blood just cleanse him from all of everything, anything that he ever did or said wrong. And so, I just had this really cool time with God, just finally getting that cleaned out. And... The Holy Spirit is so good. The blood of Jesus is so good. It's so powerful. I could have spent hundreds of dollars, um, probably thousands, I, you know, go to a counselor and try to get them to talk me into through all these issues and problems and, and all that I was holding against him and try to get me to a point of letting, releasing it. Or I don't know what counselors do, but, um, but God just supernaturally can take the wounds in your heart, and the hurts, and the un- and he just like cleansed it. But I have to confess, I had chewed on such yug- yucky gristle and junk that even though he was forgiven, when I turned and looked at him, I just didn't feel a lot of warm fuzzies or anything. He was just a man laying in my bed. I thought, okay, he's forgiven now. <laughs> Now what do I do? And then the word says that you pray for those that
1: spitefully
0: use you, your ornery spouses, I think that means.
1: <laughs> and,
0: and so you pray for them and you bless them. So I thought, okay, I, I pray for him and I bless him and um, I thank God for him. And what am I thankful for, God? Uh, um, I got to think of something to be thankful for. And I looked at him and I thought, I'm thankful for his brown eyes. I like his brown eyes. And he had brown hair there, too. So I was thankful for his brown hair. And, 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 uh, but one thankful thing led to another thankful thing. And, uh, man, he is such a good dad. Oh, and I love the way he can take the word and preach it and make it so clear. He really is a good preacher. He is a good at this, and he does this so well. And he actually will rotor till the garden for me. And I'm thinking of all these things. Oh, my goodness, this is my husband he is amazing. Did you notice those black lenses that couldn't see anything good about that man had just fallen off? God had just, like, they disappeared. And now instead I had these magnifying glasses and I'm looking at that man and I'm magnifying, whoa, this guy is awesome. This is my, you know, you ever see those cartoons where the eyes go like this, they bulge out. And, woo-hoo. and, and I was laying there thinking, A few minutes before, I had wanted to kick him out of bed so he could wake up and have a fight, and now I just wanted to hug him and do the opposite of have a fight. I was like, oh, I wish he'd wake up and just cuddle me, and and I mean, I just, all the warm fuzzies came back, but it was a real good lesson for me, and it was so vivid, and it was so clear of how awful that unforgiveness was. And I thank God for nudging, and and thank God for the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that was planted in my heart. That um, even though I was ignoring a lot of it, it was there and it came up to the surface and 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 corrected me. Um, and I I pray this for for Dwayne and I all the time that God would grant us repentance for. Any and everything that we do, that any sin, any way that we miss the mark, grant us repentance. That we might acknowledge the truth, and come to our senses, and escape the traps that devil tries to set for us to take us captive to do his will. And as we pray that, I believe that over the years, that um, for sure, that God has given us the grace to repent when we might not have without His grace. His grace is the power, divine power and ability to do what you can't do in your own strength. And there's some of you that maybe have been wronged by someone that you no longer, maybe the divorce has taken place and, and, and um, you know if there's things in the past that you still need to get forgive, you still need to forgive. and God will grant you the grace, the divine power and ability on the inside of you to let you just let go, and say, God, you know, I let go, and I put that person in your care, under your your um, laser beam. You take care of him, clean him, do whatever you can with him or her, and um, and I just trust you. And God is the one that can clean up our hearts and our souls and correct us, um, and and make a difference.
1: Well, honey, did
0: did you uh, did you pray for everybody? Yeah, pray for every couple, every
1: every family.
0: God, we thank you so much that we don't have to do life alone and in our own strength and with our own bits of wisdom that in our flesh we have. But we ask you right now, God, for every man and every woman that hears this, every couple, God. We pray that your grace would abound in them. The grace to repent for the things they need to repent of. The grace to forgive and to forget. To release the things that have wounded or hurt or that they took to heart wrong. God, we just thank you for your blood cleansing us completely. And Father, I pray for the Dark, blinding glasses to be removed where people have lost track of the treasure that they're married to. I pray that you would remove those dark coverings over their eyes and open their eyes to see what you see in that other person. Let them see what you, that you're not done working in them, what you are working in them. Father, I just can't help but praise you and thank you so much. Thank you for marriage. It was a wonderful idea. And thank you for your plan and your purpose for us. We thank you for your word, that you open up our eyes to see the wonderful things, that we can receive your word in all of its profit for correction, for instruction and direction and doctrine and all of that we need to speak to our hearts and keep us from uh, crashing and help us get back on on the right path. In In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen.